That was a game changer, that guy. Well, yeah, and it was he was so different than anything oh. coach coach had ever coached as a Well, he's from- so different than anything the league had ever seen. Hey, welcome back to the show. My name is Steve Hagan, and this is another rep. And I am so glad that you're choosing to listen to this show. There's a lot of stuff you could listen to out there. There's a bajillion shows you can listen to, and I'm just appreciative that you've chosen another rep with Coach Steve Hagan. If you like it, like it. Hit the like button and then share it with all your people. And uh, let's just get started. Today, I have my brother on the show. His name is Mike Hagan, and I'm really excited to get his story out there, too, because we have uh, similar stories but different. He got in the NFL a little bit before I did, and he was a scout, and I was a coach. So the perspectives are a little bit different. The objective is the same, though. We both want to win the Super Bowl, and he actually got to be part of one and win one, and um, it's super cool. Got a Super Bowl ring, all that. Those aren't uh, very common, and unless you're Tom Brady, then <laughs> it's super common. But um, anyways, I'm not going to wreck his story. I'm going to let him tell you his story. So let's get it on. Let's go, Mike. I got gotcha. you. Another rep. Hey, welcome back to another rep. My name is Steve Hagan. I have a uh, really cool guest on today. I've known him my whole life. <laughs> He's my brother. He's my brother, Mike. Welcome to the show, Mike. Oh, it's great to see you again, and uh, always good to visit, even though we do it about every other day. There's always, <laughs> something new to, there's always something new to talk about. That's right. We usually talk about, the, I see him on, uh, we're, we're on a Zoom call right now, so I can see him, and I see his background, and he's got all these helmets, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about. He's got a bunch of football helmets behind him, and uh, we kind of did the whole football thing separately together as we were growing up, but... Um, his story is different than mine. I went into coaching and he went into scouting. So I'm going to, I'm going to let him kind of take the lead on this. And, and uh, just how'd you get into it? Really? How'd you get into scouting? And then let's talk about scouting and the combine and all that business. So let's go ready. Fire aim. How'd you get into scouting? I got into scouting because Tom Landry told me I was too slow to be a player anymore at the Dallas. <laughs> in like 1980. Was he lying? And, and he wasn't lying. I believed him and um, could have had opportunities probably to sign for the next year and try it again. But having grown up being a, being a ball boy and growing up through the Cowboys organization through summer training camp since I was about six years old, I had a pretty good feeling on what pro football was all about. What it took to play. And um, to play, but I also knew how many other opportunities that the sport afforded back at that time um you know and so having kind of worked my way up through summer training camps of being a ball boy and then assisting in the equipment room and then administration and video and back then it was filming um and then helping with the coaches so really you know had a feel for and how to run an entire organization and and at that time it was you know one of the best organizations uh that was America's team. Well, and um, so when that day came and my football career ended, I kind of felt like, well, I could find another way to make a living in the game that I loved. And um, so the Cowboys gave me an opportunity. It was really kind of unique. Um, Tech Schramm, who was the president at the time, uh, brought me into in, back into Dallas and said, here's, your, here's the plan for the first year. 
you're going to work in a, uh, several different apartments for about three months t at a time. And at the end of this year, we're going to figure out where we're going to stick you. There and, you um, cool. at the end of that year, he stuck me in player personnel under Gil Brandt, who is now in the hall of fame for all he did for the game of football and scouting yeah. college relations. And I, uh, started scouting, uh, I guess it was like 1981 and, um, scouting back then was a lot different. They didn't have, uh, the computer type capacity or, um, Oh no, we carried using around. computers. Like you guys, or, or how it evolved into and what it is today. I mean, I remember in Dallas, I'd go into that draft room up there and you had like huge notebooks full of, you know, just analogs yeah. of everybody on the, that was, I think that ever played football in the history of the game or something. I don't that was know, pretty man. much paper. It yeah. was paper back then, and yeah. um, you know, it was also, it was also um, sixteen millimeter film. Yeah. So, you know, it was uh, you you carried a cumbersome thirty pound projector with you as you traveled. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you had a, a machine to look at the tape on because every college you went to you know, didn't have an extra projector that you could use. Um, so you, you carried you carry your, own, your own projector with you. Yeah. You, you brought your own projector and splicer. <laughs> That's a, you know, a what film would break. And so you'd have to splice it and there'd be guys that didn't bring, you know, yeah. Yeah. Splicing tape. So they'd stick it together with a piece of gum or, <laughs> tape or something. Tape, duct tape. Yeah. Yep. Whatever. But, uh, no, it was all part of the process, and uh, it certainly got a lot – as technology uh, evolved, it got a lot easier to uh, to evaluate from tape. I mean, at the end of yeah. my career, after about 35 years, at the end of it, um, didn't really have to have to leave the house much to, uh, to do your job if you were just evaluating tape. Yeah, yeah. The only time you have to go is when you got to go see what the kid looks like, actually. And, and yep work him out and shake his hand, take him to lunch, talk to him, find out all those kind of things. What? Oh, so you go from the Cowboys and then you went to Denver with Dan Reeves. Is that correct? Denver. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was there for, I think three years. And then I went to Washington. Okay. For about 10 years. Really? Wow. Which was interesting. Uh, really. What was the biggest difference going from like how the Cowboys and I'm sure Dan did, very similar to what, um, you know, the Cowboys did when, cause Dan coached at the Cowboys for so long, grew up with the Cowboys as far as, you know, his career at playing and player coach and all that. Then he goes over to Denver. Did he use that same kind of scouting system? Yep. And yep. then what was the difference between that and then going to Washington where there, it wasn't any Cowboy system at Washington. No, so. and it was a, it was kind of a, Oh, I don't know. It wasn't as, it wasn't as organized as a system. Yeah. Um, it wasn't as, as structured as a system. It took a lot longer to make a decision yeah. on where a player was going to be slotted and rated yeah. um, because, uh, you know, it just, uh, the people at the top were different and took, yeah, right. took them longer right. to make a decision and longer to sift through the information and listen to who they were listening to and make a decision. Whereas, you know, Coach Landry, Coach Reeves, um, they were pretty uh, – they knew what they wanted and they were they could make a decision quicker. I yeah. mean, that's 
Some people yeah. are wired. Some people want to listen to everybody for a long time. Some people want to listen to uh, everybody for a little bit and make their own call. Based yeah, no, I've, you know, I've been in the coaching side of it. And as a coach, you know, which guy fits your system and what you're looking for. If you're using a system and if you have a system, it's not as if you're watching the next team play and you're watching Monday night football and go, oh, you know what we need to do is that. But if you have a system that you're actually using, then you can fill those slots. And that's what was so cool about the Cowboys because Coach Landry, he called the offense and the defense, pretty much special teams too. He ran the whole show and he knew what he was looking for. So he could go find guys like Randy White, Bob Brunig, and, you know, fill in those, you know, Bob Brunig, filled right in after Leroy Jordan was there. And it was like, they never even skipped the beat, you know? Yep. So where some, some teams, you know, haven't coached, I've coached football for 38 years in a lot of different systems. And I've coached with coaches that have a great system and some that don't. And they, and we're just taking players because he might be the best player, but he might not be the best player for our system. He may not fit our system. Well, I think too, some of that goes along with, you know, back in the day, coaches, coaches, at least the guys I was around, coached coached for a long time. Yeah. You know, so they knew. And they coached in the same system for a long time. Yep. And so they knew, you know, Very it wasn't yeah. it wasn't a new – they weren't moving to a new place every two or three years. They didn't have to build a new staff every two and three years. Yeah. So the players returned, you yeah. know, <laughs> you wanted some plan B. You're not starting over with – 60% of your roster being new every year. Yeah. Um, We're going to so talk it, about that in a second. Cause that has a lot to do with college football going on today, but let's go. Uh, so you go from Dallas to Denver, Denver to Washington, Washington to Atlanta. Atlanta. Okay. Yep. And Mike, Mike Vick was there, right? Mike Vick wasn't there when we got there. We drafted Mike Vick. Okay. Uh, now that's a good uh, pick. Yeah, that was a good pick. It was a good <laughs> pick. He, uh, Really an interesting guy. Um, we went. I went to Atlanta when Coach Reeves went to Atlanta. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the guys that were with Coach Reeves in Denver um, had had gone on to other places. And then when, when Coach Reeves went from Denver to New York and that run ended, um, he got to Atlanta. And then we brought uh, quite a few guys that had worked together uh, before in the personnel side and the coaching side uh, brought, he brought, he brought us to Atlanta and, um, we kind of, he brought some coaches that he'd worked with before, but he also relied on us to help him, uh, build a staff, so to speak. Um, because we had been exposed to other places. I know, you know, experienced in those other, I was, uh, influential with him hiring a guy named Emmett Thomas. Yeah. Um, who's in the Hall of Fame, probably a, one of the best defensive backfield coaches ever to play, uh, who I had been exposed to at the Kansas City Chiefs when I worked there. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Emmett had uh, – no, excuse me. Emmett I was exposed to at the Redskins. And then I worked with him again at the Chiefs after I left. Oh, yeah, um, you had a lot of experience with him. So I knew Emmett. And, um, and one, one thing that was interesting at the Redskins is during, during the pre-draft uh, evaluations, we would go on the road with a coach. Yeah. Uh, you'd be assigned a position. And so you would go all over the country with that coach and evaluate all the, all the DBs. Yeah, right. 
yeah. not all of them, but the ones, the ones that, that you were looking at, the, the ones that you were interested in looking at. Yeah. And uh, so I, I got a real good feel for Emmett and um, recommended him to Dan and, uh, and we hired him and, and I mean, Dan just loved him. He, yeah, he was a good, change your second great man, interesting guy. Cause he hated to fly. He never flew anywhere. I would meet, he, he would, he take would a either long time to get where you got to go. He would take a bus or a train or something. Uh, he would rarely, rarely fly. Um, <laughs> so inter- he's an interesting guy, but a uh, wonderful guy. That's cool. but, uh, that, that was, that was a big difference. So we put that team together in Atlanta and yeah, we went to the Super Bowl first time that Falcons have been to the Super Bowl. We went, and then uh, I think it was a year or two after that we drafted Mike, um, and um, that was an game interesting changer. Spot. That guy. Well, yeah, and it was he was so different than anything oh. coach coach had ever coached as a. Well, he's from, so different than anything the league had ever seen. Yeah, it, it was a process to get coach warmed up on him. Yeah. Um, and um, different style. At guy. one point, I remember Ronnie, Ronnie Hill, who had worked with us in Dallas and Denver, and then Ronnie went on to build the Jacksonville Jaguars as a, a expansion team. They went to the playoffs in one of their first years, but uh, Dan brought Ronnie up to Atlanta to be the director of player personnel. And I remember one day we couldn't convince Dan that Mike was the guy. We just we wanted to get him over the hump. So yeah. we just handed him a bunch of a bunch of tape, game tape, five or six games, and said, Coach, get out of here. Go home. Nobody's around. Yeah. No influences. And just watch this kid play. Just watch him. Yep. And um, I think that's what really turned it, turned him and got him convinced that he could do so much of the things that back in the day Coach Landry did with Roger Staubach. Yeah. Um, the half rolls the sprint series, yeah, right. you know, getting them out of the pocket. So you're not reading the whole field. You're reading a third of the field with the threat to run at any time, you know, and, and we did a lot of that kind of stuff and, and he was a game changer and, and uh, Dan really enjoyed coaching him. Yeah. That's, you know, I, I say this to my guys when I'm coaching, a lot of guys can make the team, but not many can make the team better. There's yeah. You know, Mike Vick, he makes your team better. We brought him into the Jets. He's just so effortless with all his athleticism. He's got that – his genetics are just, you know, freakish. And uh, and he's yep. a great dude. He's a great guy to be around too. But – so, hey, let's yeah. talk about this. You go from American – I think football. one thing – I think one thing too to interject about Mike is coming from where Mike came from as a kid. Um, he got a bad draw, a really bad draw – and went through some really hard times um, because of the way he was raised or wasn't raised. Yeah. And I, one thing that tells tells me more than anything about Mike Vick is he paid his he paid his dues. He repaid uh, like seventeen million dollars in fines and yeah. whatnot, whatnot. Instead of filing for bankruptcy, he repaid everything and then went on and resumed his career. Um, and has done a great job since. So I think that, oh, tell, yeah. that yeah. tells you a lot about who the guy really is. Yeah, his character really, yeah. I, I honestly believe that too. He just – he's a good man. I, I really yeah. enjoyed being around him just for that short time. It was really- when, I was, when I was scouting, it was one thing I would always ask my kid. You know, you see athletes 
from come from all walks of life. And I always tried to put myself in their shoes and say, you know, how would I have come out in this situation? Oh man. Yeah. You know, and it's just, yeah. it's, it's pretty amazing sometimes. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yep. We all grow up differently. You know, we all got a different story that we're telling and some of us grow up and some are raised. Yeah. Some of us, some of us just yeah. have birthdays. Yeah. Got a phone call. Hey, um, yep. so you, you scouted in um, American football and then you became the general manager of a Canadian football team. Yeah. <laughs> so how um, you were at the Toronto Argonauts and yeah. tell me the difference between, or tell everybody the difference between uh, American football and Canadian football, what you're looking for, how it looks. Cause the field's a lot bigger. It, the game is different. I mean, we can say whatever we want, but the game's different. You get three downs, you got to play catch. Um, you know, you got to be effective playing catch. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, and there's a lot, there's a lot of differences. The special teams is different. There's a lot of differences. You, we don't need to get in all the differences of the, of the actual rules of the game. But, you know, when you're putting that team together, your mindset, and your thought process, well, I think the biggest and a lack of money to do it. You don't have the resources. Well, the biggest difference is that, that football is secondary to hockey in Canada. Yeah. By a long, by a long way. Yeah, it's way. like when I just coached in Italy, football is like not secondary to soccer. No, it's like it's beyond being a bartender. <laughs> yeah. It's lower than being a bartender. But yeah. so, so your priorities on on edu- uh, on football at the lower levels is it doesn't develop. It doesn't right. develop athletes, and it's a much smaller country too. Yeah, so in, in your education system, there is so much different than up here. I mean, you don't get passed through school to play sports in hot in, uh, in Canada, you have to have grades and you have to participate in school in order to play sports. Yeah. Um, so it's very, it's stressed, but, but when you get up to the professional level, you know, your national championship in college at, in Canada, there might be 20,000 people at the game. Yeah. Right. You know, it's just not a big sport in Canada. No. It's, it's kind of like a club sport. It's, it's, you still only have, four and a half hours a day with your team by rule. So that means meetings, practice and weightlifting. That's all you can have with is four and a half hours a day. So it's, it's hard to really develop them anymore. Once you get them there. Yeah. Uh, It's a, it's a spread out game. It's, it's a lot of fun. I, 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 uh, I would evaluate a lot of American kids and I, I, you know, poach kids off, off of, uh, off of, uh, the, the practice squads down here. Um, and I do deals with them that would let them out of their contracts if they got an opportunity to go back to the NFL. Cause that, that was their dream. And I knew that was their dream, yeah, but I, right. I told them you could come up and, and play and get on good film in Canada. And if they, if they were good enough, they'd get an opportunity because with my NFL background, I would promote them. Yeah. And, that's how I got them to sign. And, um, you know, several kids had, had very good Canadian careers and, um, several of them got opportunities to go, to go play in the NFL, go, go back to the NFL. So, yeah, uh, it, it was a lot of fun in that regard. Yeah. It's fun when you get it, you know, you're at the top and you're putting that whole thing together, you know, it's, uh, um, it's just, it's a super challenge, you know, to get, to mix all these different, people together and point them in one direction and say, Hey, yeah. what we got to do. 
you know, and keep them oh, yeah. going had, in the same direction. You know, it, it's, it, it's a small country, really, when you think about it. Canada, you know, there's about eight major cities in the whole yeah, yeah. area of Canada, which is a bigger area than the United States, I think. And, um, you know, one of our owners, uh, the, the guy that owned Toronto, he also owned a team in British Columbia, you know. Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> so we're like flying from coast yeah, to coast. I, I can remember we were in a playoff game in Hamilton and we won a playoff game in Hamilton and the owner of, of our team walks in and he's wearing a British Columbia Lions um <laughs> We're like, really? Yeah. Really good. This hey, my man Bobby April did that. He walked into one of our Jets meetings and he had the uh, Oakland Raiders shorts on. And I looked at him, I, I kind of whispered to him, I said, Bobby. <laughs> and I pointed at his shorts and he's like, ah, damn it. <laughs> he, dro- he drops his shorts, turns them inside out. Them inside. <laughs> I'm like, you know, heck. he's like, it was dark in the locker room. Man. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but Hey, you know, shoot, when coaches are traveling and you know, the owner owns two different teams, it can get, it get a little hectic like that. But, Oh man. Speaking of hectic, Talk about the transfer portal for this new – it's pretty much new for college football. To me, it's almost like free agency in the NFL. Other than – I guess they're paying them with the NILs and stuff. I don't – Well, it's – it's it's. I don't know. It is kind of like that, except the fact that the kid can bail on his team anytime during the year. I know. How crazy. You know, and that's – I, I kind of get it, you know, coaches leave and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, if I could see a kid wants to transfer at the end of the season. Okay, fine, go. But just to bail on your team, you know, and, the, and bail on the coaches and uh, after three games when you got beat out, um, yeah, it doesn't right. teach – it doesn't – it's not sending the right message. Um to me, I think uh, if you make them work through some adversity, some of these kids would be better in the long run for it. Um, you know, uh, I, I kind of, you know, uh, this, for example, the the uh, the kid, at, the one that's most prevalent right now, or there's a couple quarterbacks right now that is really interesting. The kid from Texas, Austin, Texas, that that left early to go to Ohio State he left early so he could sign an NIL deal yeah. with a health food company out of Texas so he could get paid. Right. Well, he doesn't play at Ohio state. He's not going to play at Ohio state because they've got a pretty good young quarterback. <laughs> yeah. So he's jumps back in. Now he's going to probably end up at Texas. Did he um, get paid? Did he get his little deal with the health food company? Oh yeah. Yeah. Shame it's like on a hundred, health food company. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a Texas based health food company. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, he'll end up at Texas and he'll get two or three more NIL deals before he even hits the field. Probably if that's where he goes, you know, and then you've got the well, kid. Texas at, will take him back. They, can they take him back? I don't university? know. Yeah. yeah. He started oh, yeah. at Texas. Then he went to Ohio State. No, no, no. He's a Texas high school kid. Oh, so he wasn't he, in the transfer portal. He left early. Okay. Left high school early, finished high school early, went to Ohio State. I went through, you know, the whole thing. I hear you now, yeah. And now he's in the transfer portal. Okay. In Texas will probably yeah. sign him. But the other kid is is Brad Johnson's son at LSU. Yeah. Started every game this year. And what is not a bad quarterback at all. Yeah. But because of the coaching change, 
he doesn't he didn't want to stay there and he's yeah. leaving and spencer so, rattler over at oklahoma he's leaving. oklahoma yeah. yeah he's taking out so yeah so it's a little uh, bit like free agency you used to root for well, the receiver at you know the receiver at uh at alabama that blew the doors off of georgia last week he went he was a uh, receiver at ohio state yeah last year yeah and in, in college football you almost need what you have in pro football you need a a high school recruiting staff and you need a transfer transfer portal recruiting staff. I know of a few colleges that are, that are doing that already. And they're paying, uh, Oh, I, I've got a friend of mine that's doing it at a, at a major university. Yeah. Um, that all he, all he does, I'm sure they have him doing more stuff, but all he's, he's doing transfer portal kids. Yeah. That's excellent. That's what we ought to do. Maybe have to do that one day, but, you're doing your plan B, not plan B, but just you've transitioned from. No, uh, it's, well, it was my plan B. It's my plan B. To uh, um, real estate now. You live down in Lake Oconee. Uh, I'm sure you've sold a bunch of houses to some former coaches or or uh, existing coaches. However, we're all going to be former coaches one day. But, um, you know, that's a beautiful place down there. And how was that transition going from scouting into you're selling real estate now? And, you know, was it easy? Was it hard? Was it, um, you know, cause I know you love being a scout and all. So. Um, it wasn't easy. Yeah. Um, because it's an entirely different, uh, animal. Yeah. Right. You, yeah. you, you know, you, you, it's a totally different business. Right. Um, which you have really no experience in. And you have to, in in order, if anybody's ever ever lived off a commission based income, from that regard, it's entirely different. You if you don't, that, yeah. you don't sell, you don't eat, you right. know. Right. And so, um, uh, you know, the educational part was was a grind, and then you know, once you get out there into the field, you realize that half the educational two thirds of the educational process doesn't apply to the real world of selling a house. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. You know, it's like, it's like a lot of other things, but, yeah. um, you Every know, business has their own language, right? So football yeah. has its own language. A lot of it within is, football, you have your, your own language, you know, each team has its own language within the game. Yeah. Of football. And so you get into real estate, you got to learn that language to be effective. Well, you got to learn that language, but it, it, all, it all comes down to developing trust with the people you're working with yeah. and selling yourself that they're, they're, they're comfortable with you and you're knowledgeable of the, of the products that you're trying to sell. And you yeah. know, your you know, you know, your region, you know, your area, you know, the market. And, but mostly it's, are they comfortable with, with working with you and sharing their financial information, their dreams and goals and things like that. Um, Has it become easier? Is it a, I know it's super challenge, but um, because everybody has access to the internet and the internet is just nuts, especially when it comes to real estate. I mean, you can see any, you can see through the front window of somebody's house if you wanted to, uh, you know, with some of these, what you can't see is what the neighbors got going on. Yeah. <laughs> There's something going on out. In and, the and that's, you know, that's what I tell people all the time is, is one of the, my, one of my sayings that I use all the time is, you know, when they say, well, we've seen this, we've seen this. And I say, well, you really haven't seen it. Yeah. You know, don't really know. You've been until, exposed to it, but you don't experience yeah, it. You don't really know until you go. That's right. 
don't really know until you go. I tell them that. And then I tell them if we get there and you don't like it, don't waste your time or my time by going inside. Yeah. Because if you don't like the outside, we can't fix that. Yeah. You know, you don't like what your neighbors are in this, in, in my situation, I sell a lot of lake property. If you don't like the lake view or right. where it's on the lake, I can't, we can't change that. So if that's something you're you can not change happy. the paint on the inside, we can move a wall, Anything, we can put a new countertop in. The look, the lot sits on the lake. Nope. Yeah. Everything behind, we're standing there looking at the lake. Everything behind us can be fixed. <laughs> that's right. Everything we're looking at, at the water and at all that, nothing we can do with it. Yeah. Yeah. So are you, are you enjoying it? You like that? Yeah, I like Challenge, it. Right. Oh yeah, it's a challenge because there's a lot of, you know, uh, like you say, the internet's a great tool. Yeah. But it can also creates uh, obstacles and hurdles for you too because you right. find some people that become real estate professionals uh, as they're looking for property yeah. and getting educated by the internet, and um, so you have to kind of massage that whole thing as you work through the process. Yeah, I do. Um... Right now, I'm a hired gun coach still. I coach in the XFL, and then I coach in Italy and all that, as you know. But um, I'm coaching CEOs and stuff and, and helping them do their business and putting their teams together and, and making sure they got a strong team. And I always say everybody needs games to play and a championship to play for. And, you know, whether your championship is to sell 25 houses and that's your championship or it's to sell, you know, a hundred million dollars worth of property or whatever, whatever your championship is. And then you keep playing those games. What, you know, a game is one house at a time or whatever, whatever, however you, however you structure that. So um, I just, I just think that's a good way to keep you fresh in the, in the, in the game, in the moment. Yeah. And you don't get burnt out because like what I've been used to my whole life is games to play and a championship to play for when it's all over, then it starts a new season. And then it's, yeah. it, it's fresh for us as opposed to, geez. <laughs> well, that's the thing about on forever, man. That's the thing about sports. You have a season, you have a beginning and you have an end. Yeah. Yeah. In, in business and in, you know, in real estate, you, you don't really have a beginning and an end. It just, well, that's why I try to help guys you, like that. You have to, but you have to learn to take time off and refresh and, um, or, or you'll get fried because, right. you know, there's, it, it, there's, there's, there's no to, end. There's no end in sight. Always, you always got to generate the next game, right? Yep. Yep. You always got to generate the next game. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What, um, what did you take from scouting into real estate that really helped? It could, and maybe it's nothing. Maybe you're just like, I can't use anything I used to have. Or um, maybe it's like some things that just, you know, I don't know, organization skills, or I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's, it's to me, it's, um, to me, it's the, I don't know. It's the ability to, um, uh, it's the, the ability to, to develop trust in a short period of time. Mm -hmm. um, it's relations, building relationships, relationships quickly. Yeah. Because when I traveled, um, I can remember 
um, in scouting, you know, you're going to uh, a different school three or four times a week. And in order to do your job, you've got to develop trust with not only coaches, but secretaries, equipment managers, trainers, uh, public relations yeah. people, everybody that, that is in that operation. Right. And so you know, if you're going to get in good information out of that school, you got to get it from several sources um, because in most cases, coaches are going to uh, tell you everything really good about their players um, because they want their, the best for their players. Absolutely. Um, and it helps them recruit and, and, when they get until, more kids drafted. It helps. Yeah. Them and, until, and, and so, you know, when I was, you know, of course, after a while, you're, you're, you're seeing the same people, but you've developed trust by treating them appropriately and professionally yeah. that you can go in and you can get information that maybe somebody else may not get. Right. Uh, you get, you know, uh, your own room to watch tape in versus, you know, there might be five or six guys in a different room. One guy holding the clicker. <clears throat> wearing yeah. you out. We've always been there, Yeah. you know? And so it, it that kind of, that I think that's probably helped me as much as anything developing trust that connectability, and, the ability to, yeah, connect. and, you, and you don't always get a lot of time to do that, yeah. you know, especially yeah. in real estate. When you get that connectability, that ability to connect with a player or a, you know, a client, like you said, if you will, um, you find out who they are and then you can help them more when yeah. you know, you know, when you know what your client's looking for, you can help them more. When you know what your player, when you can connect to your player, like you were saying about Mike Vick earlier, you know, you know his background a little bit more. You can connect to him a little bit deeper yeah. and you can help him because really all we're trying to do is help him help us. Right. We're trying to help him so he can help us win the game. And yep. and not not being like deceitful or, you know, you don't have an agenda to help him. You're, you're sincerely trying to help whoever you're working with or whoever you're coaching or whoever you're dealing with, you know, and essentially you're coaching your clients, your real estate clients, you're coaching them up on what the opportunity here presents versus this opportunity over there. And, you know, who knows it better than you, the guy who lives there and drives down those streets every day, day in and day out. So that's awesome. All right, my man. Well, where's your next gig? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Italy was fun. Italy was a lot of fun. And, um, uh, I'm just blessed to have the next gig. Like you were talking about, you got to keep working to get that next gig. So I don't know, you know, I just, um, I just let God take my hand and pull me a different direction. Sometimes he pushes me in, the, in a different direction. Sometimes I don't want to go, but he says, no, you go, yep. you go yep. and you learn, you know? And, uh, I believe, I believe this, you know, there's winners and losers, but we all end up winning if we choose to make those choices. Because if you lose, you got to choose to figure out why you lost and so you can win. So losing is learning and winning is learning. And if you're well, constantly learning, then you got a shot at all of this. Well, but if you if you stay, if when you lose, you don't learn, you stay lost. That's that's what I think. And so I well, just enjoy going through whatever whatever direction I've been pointed. I got pointed in the XFL. It was an awesome experience. That blew up because of the whole COVID season. And then 
out of the blue, I got called down to IMG in Florida to coach those uh, NFL prospects, did that. And then from there, Italy. And I don't know. <laughs> you know, I just, I have no idea what God has up his sovereign sleeve. And I'm just. Uh, well, I'm as, just long as, you know, as long as you know that uh, you're, you're operating off of his plan and not your plan. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's then, not as then, easy to figure out all the time. <laughs> oh, I didn't figure it out till I was probably 53. But once I figured that out, it was a, like oh, the world was lifted off my shoulders. Yeah, yeah. Because I didn't understand a lot of the a lot of the things that were happening and had happened. And once I just gave it up that I wasn't supposed to understand it, I was supposed to trust it. If it was his plan, then I was free to go. There you go. There you go. He'll always show up. Sometimes he shows off when he shows up. So yeah. We Sorry. just have to recognize it. You can back it up. You can show off. That's right. Hey, make it a great day, man. Thanks for coming on the uh, show. I love it. Uh, tell me before we leave, what's another rep mean to you? Another rep means, uh, I guess another rep means sticking to your discipline. Okay. And to me, that's what it means, sticking to the discipline you've got set for for your life and just trying to be consistent. Yeah. I love that. I love that. This is, this show is called another rep with coach Steve Hagan. And I ask whoever's on, I'm always asking them, you know, what's another rep mean? And it's, it's so fun to hear everybody's, you know, they're similar, but different because everybody has a different story to tell and everybody's lived a different story. And so I love that. I love that definition. So, Hey man, thanks for coming on the show. Love you. Welcome to another rep. We'll do it again. All right. uh, Let's go. Make it a great day, man. I'll talk to you. Hey, Mike. Thanks again for coming on another rep with Coach Steve Hagan. I really appreciate it. For everybody else, if you like the show, hit I like it. And then if you want to share it, share it. Share it with your people. Share it with your friends. Share it with your teammates. Just share it around. And until then, let's all just keep repping. And I am out. Go make it a great day.